0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today at Summit Church Online. I'm glad, wherever you're at, that you chose to make this a part of your day. We are in week two of a three-week little mini-series, but, but it's, it's really unique because as a church, what we do is we just walk verse by verse through the Bible, and we're in Luke chapter 17, but there's the first ten verses that are really kind of a hodgepodge Of teaching. It's Luke recording what I think was all of Jesus' teachings for the last two months where he and his disciples had been doing a quick jaunt through Perea, and at the end of that, Luke goes, you've said some really impressive things to just your disciples. You've included them in some some private moments to make sure that they're ready here in a few weeks when you go to the cross. You've included that in here, and these three things are very important. And what we've done is just kind of peel them off, those first 10 verses of Luke 17, to make a mini-series that we're calling Bold. And if you were with us last week, you heard us talk about being bold in our response to sin. And and that was a difficult message, not that because we talked about sin, but because we were supposed to make sure we do not become a stumbling stone to someone else, and we are to forgive those who come and ask forgiveness, even if they come seven times in one day, we're supposed to do that. That's an incredibly difficult teaching about being bold to or in the face of sin. And now we have the next little teaching. It's only two verses. We're going to look at verses 5 and 6 today in Luke chapter 17. It's only two verses, but it's talking about faith and how Jesus wants his disciples, those who claim to follow him, to be bold in their faith. And then next week, we'll finish it up with the last few verses, going through verse 10, and we'll talk about what it looks like to be bold in our duty, bold in our Christian duty to follow the Lord, what we'll get there next week. But I want you to be reminded of what Jesus taught last week, at least what we covered last week, and that is that bold response to sin. And I think that's what spurs his disciples to go, Jesus, then you're going to have to increase our faith. If you want us to be able to forgive like that, if you want us to watch our lives and make sure we don't cause anyone to stumble, you're going to have to increase, not our wisdom, not our ability, not our strength, you're going to have to increase our faith Faith is the key here. You're going to have to increase that. And I am right along with the disciples. Jesus, you call and demand from us a lot. Please, just increase my faith so that I might, so that I might be able to be faithful and obedient to you and what you've called us to. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord after his teaching on sin, increase our faith. What you're asking us to do is going to be hard. So we're going to need a double portion of faith if we are going to possibly be bold in our response to sin. We're going to need a bold faith to be bold in our response to sin. I want to break down what faith is just biblically real quick. I think that's important so that we're all on the same page. Hebrews 11, 1 gives us the most concrete definition of faith that I can see in Scripture. It says this, Now faith is confidence. And I have that bolded there for a reason. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence and assurance. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That is faith. I've heard it said this way, very simply, faith is believing without seeing. That's what faith is, but this kind of faith, this biblical faith, it goes even a step further from that. It's confidence, and it's assurance, and what we cannot know for sure, but we believe to be true, and that which we cannot know for sure is that God is 100% who he says he is. He will never give us so much that we will not need faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? We will never be shown so much of his glory that there's no longer a need for faith. He'll give us enough. His word will show us enough. His actions will be enough for us to have a confidence and an assurance, but it will always need to remain faith, something we cannot see. Now, within that, why is faith important? Okay, faith is important primarily. Okay, at its very core, faith is important because of what Ephesians 2.8 says. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's the grace of God that saves us, but what unlocks the grace of God is our faith in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself, it is a gift. It is a gift of God. Many people think that the gift there is actually the grace, which grace is a gift. But if you look at the structure of the sentence, the gift is faith. Faith. And that's why the disciples cry out, increase our faith. We need more faith because at the foundation, faith is what saves us by the grace of God. What does faith do? Let's unpack that. What does faith do? Well, here in our passage, Luke 17, verse 6, Jesus replies to his disciples who have just said, increase our faith. And he says this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Is that literal, or is that hyperbole? Well, it's hyperbole. It's figurative. It's trying to show us something. A mulberry tree grows to be about 35 feet tall. You could not uproot it yourself and throw it out in the sea, but God says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can cause this to happen. A very small amount of faith can accomplish a very monumental thing. You've maybe heard, faith can move mountains. Have you ever heard that phrase? Faith can move mountains. Well, that's credited to Jesus in Matthew 17 verse 20. He talked about faith and how we don't need a lot to do extraordinary things. He talked about that quite quite often in his ministry. Matthew 17 verse 20, truly I tell you, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Faith is what we need to do the miraculous. Okay, that's evident. To metaphorically move a mountain, you need faith. But faith is important also for you to get through the day the week, the month, and the years that you have on this earth. Faith is imperative for that. Life without faith is very, very, very hard. And the disciples knew that. And I feel so bad for those that I know that have no faith. I, I, I look and my heart breaks, not because I have something they don't have, but because I want them to know how much my faith in God allows those days, weeks, months, and years that are very difficult to at least feel slightly different, to feel like I'm not alone. Faith is so important that it's no wonder the disciples cried out, give us more. But I I want you to know, typically, typically, that's not how faith grows. We can cry out to God, give us more faith, and I think he will meet us in that. We can ask for wisdom, says James. We we can ask for these things. He'll give us more. I think by asking God for more faith, one, we're entering into a relationship with him which will cause us to have more faith, but I think we can ask that. I think that's fine, but that's not typically how faith is gained. Normally it comes through the grit or the difficulty of circumstances, the rigors of daily existence, and the dealing with our own imperfections just kind of walking back through those three the grit the the grind of daily life of circumstances and then ultimately realizing that we don't have what it takes to do this perfectly we don't have what it takes to live the life that we really really want to live we need help from somewhere or something and that is god And the way that we unlock that power is through our own faith. James 1, verse 3, after saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of any kind, it says this, because you know that that testing of your faith produces perseverance, just personally, okay? This is just me, my testimony time, right? This is just me, my faith has never once grown through a season of ease, I've never coasted through a 6-month period where everything seemed to be working great and been like my faith is so much stronger now. The death of my mom in 2011. That one that one got me because I remember and I've shared this story before if you've heard it I apologize but I remember sitting on Christmas Day, talking with my mom and my dad and Paige, my wife. It was just us there for Christmas, and just talking about how our family had really not struggled. Our family had always had just enough. And you know, like our, our aunts and uncles, like we don't have this chaos in our family. Everything's super good. And then 15 days later, my mom drops dead. That that was a real that was a real gut check for me. And and I had to I had to start to evaluate at the age of almost 30. Was my faith real, or or was it just a mirage? Was my faith in God something that was anchored, that could withstand the storm, or was it just something that I'd never had tested? We We were joyfully and even giving praise to God for how good our life had been for three decades, and then it gets flipped upside down. My faith was tested through struggle and hurt. And and I wish I could tell you it was two weeks after that my faith was solidified and and this was great, but it was an 18-month process of wrestling, of fighting, of questioning, of hurting, before I finally realized maybe my faith wasn't as solid as I thought it was before my mom passed away, But now, after going through this, it's really all I have to cling to. And I know as much as my story is my story, your story could be far worse. And I think for those of you listening today who have the strongest faith in God, it has not been carved from a life of ease. But instead, from a life of strife and struggle and hardship. That's ultimately and oftentimes how our faith is grown. My faith right now, sitting here at 41 years of age, is very similar to the Father who brought his demon-possessed son, he was trying to bring him to Jesus, but Jesus was up on a mountain doing some really cool transfiguration stuff. And so the father brought this demon-possessed son to the disciples who didn't get to go up on the mountain, and they tried to cast out the demon, but it didn't work. And so when Jesus comes back down from the mountain, the Father is just distraught, and he says, hey, I, I wanted my son to be healed. I, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do it. Jesus kind of looks at his disciples and goes, we'll, we'll talk later. And he looks at the Father and says, anything's possible with God. And, and he goes, I, I believe that that's true, but can you help me overcome my unbelief? Mark chapter 9, 23 and 24. Jesus says, if you can... That's what, that's what the father asked him. If you can, he'll do it. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I, I, I do believe. But certainty and assurance, the definition of faith from Hebrews 11.1, 1, certainty and assurance may not be the words that I would use to describe my faith. Pretty certain. I would would probably use that. Pretty certain. And wouldn't mind some more assurance. Like, a little bit more would be great. That's probably how I would describe my faith right now. It's it's getting there. Pretty certain. Wouldn't mind some more assurance. Lord, I do believe. I believe. But yet, I mean, these things, they sneak in, right? Come on. They they just kind of crawl in and I do believe, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Two of my favorite New Testament stories, both happen on water. I don't know why that is, just just so happens that they both happen on water, and they both deal with disciples and a lack of faith, okay? So it's part of Jesus' inner crew, his 12, and their lack of faith, but there's a subtle message behind each of these two stories, okay? It's subtle, but it's there. And it's that Jesus understands we will all struggle with our faith, especially in our toughest moments. Jesus isn't shocked when you get rocked by something and you go, oh God, I don't know what to do. That doesn't just blow him off his throne in heaven and he's like, I can't believe Todd would ever question his faith right now. It's not how it works, and these two stories show this instead of being appalled and judging in those moments when we are destroyed. He rushes in to meet us in our lack of faith. Now, you won't be silent about it. But I want to look at these two stories. The first one is Jesus calming the storm. Jesus is just taught to thousands of people. and He says, I need a break. Let's head across the Sea of Galilee. As they were heading across in a boat that he'd been teaching from, a huge storm breaks out. These are mostly guys who grew up on this lake, Sea of Galilee. They knew they were in huge trouble. Jesus is in the front of the boat, probably under a little bit of covering. That's the only thing that makes sense. Probably under a little bit of covering, curled up on a pillow, just snoring and their boat is going down, and they scream out, Jesus, wake up and help us. If you don't do something, we are going to die. Mark 4, 39 through 40, Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, I love this, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. But then he met them in their chaos. He met them in their moment of weakness. He met them in their lack of faith. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, you can read this with whatever tone you want, but I believe it is Jesus going, Guys, you've got me. I need you to realize that's enough. I'm not mad that you woke me up. I'm not mad that you got scared. But do you really still not believe after everything you've seen? After everything I've already done, do you you really still not believe? And on that same lake, several months later, another storm comes up, but this time, Jesus had stayed behind to pray. The disciples are caught in the middle of the lake, their boat's going under, and Jesus comes walking out to them on the water And Peter, after everyone else was afraid, thinking a ghost was coming to their boat, Peter goes, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come walk to you. And Jesus goes, come on. Peter starts to walk on the water. The only non-God to ever do that, to our knowledge. But then he sees the wind and the waves, and he gets scared, and he starts to sink. Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 through 31 Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Help me in this moment. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And I really believe with a smile on his face, he looked Peter right in the eye. And I don't think anyone else in the boat heard this. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Dude, you were walking on water. You were doing the impossible. Why did you question it? What what possibly caused you to think you couldn't make it all the way to me? And Peter doesn't have an answer for that, and that's okay. But Jesus is saying, You walked on water. I allowed you to do that. Don't, Don't let your faith be so small when you see me moving and you see the miraculous happen. In both cases, Jesus is not mad at his disciples. He just wants them to be certain and assured in in Him. That's, That's what faith is. Having a bold faith isn't easy, but Jesus lets us know that how we see the power of God is through our faith in Him. He's not mad, church, when you don't have enough faith to get through a hard circumstance, but He wants that hard circumstance to grow your faith. Do you think the disciples in the boat on that first night and Peter that second night after the storm didn't have more faith, even based in failure? Of course they did. And that's how God grows our faith. And then that's how we get to this part of seeing the power of God move through bold faith. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking To his disciples, he says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now there's a lot to unpack there, and we'll make the summary statement at the end. But basically, Jesus is saying, go tell that mountain to jump in the ocean. Go tell that mulberry tree to be planted out there. Go do that metaphorically, and believe that God can and will move in your life and the lives of others, and you will see it happen. But you must have faith. So if you don't have the faith to pray those bold prayers, then pray like the Father did. Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Pray like the disciples did in verse 5 of Luke 17. Increase our faith. Lord, please increase my faith. I don't don't pray that enough, but that's so essential to my walk with him. Lord, increase my faith. There may not be a more appropriate prayer that we can pray. And then, watch God move. He won't ever answer a prayer that's not his will, but he does love you and will always work for your good. And he says, ask whatever you want in prayer, believe, have faith that you have received it, and it will be yours. As we kind of wrap up here, When you do see your face start to grow, even little by little, often it's through hard times. But I need you to be encouraged, because in those hard times, as you see your face start to grow, little by little, you will start to see the power of God unleashed in your life, and that has a return on it. When you see the first little victory, when you see the first moment where, oh, I did this, I believe that God would, and he did, you will start to see the power of God unleashed in your life. Your faith will grow, and then, here's the even cooler part, it will become contagious to others. Can you, can you take a moment just to think of the person in your life who you just think of and go, that person has faith. They just walk by faith, not by sight. They, they just have faith. Can, can you picture that person in your mind? Maybe someone very close to you. Maybe someone very obscure to you. But can you picture that person? I wish I was that person for you. I wish that I had that kind of faith. But I know that the Lord is still growing me in my faith. I know that. And and I want someday to be that person that when you think of just unrestrained faith in God, maybe you can think of me the ease at which that person that you're thinking of faces life. How how do they do that? How do they do that? Well, one, they know that they are not in control. That's a huge step, and that takes faith. I'm going to release my life to someone else. I'm going to release it to you, God. They know that God is in control and that Jesus is enough for them. And they are certain and assured, once again, that definition, they are certain and assured of this fact that Jesus is enough and that God is in control. They're certain of that fact, and it just emanates from them. You just, you, you just feel it when you're around them. That's who they are. That's what they are. In order to become that person. Just a couple questions. Do you need God to increase your faith? Yes or no? Do you need God to increase your faith? Are you currently bold in your faith? Yes or no? And I don't, I don't want to belittle, I don't want to pile on, but if you're listening today and you're going, I, my faith is just, it's done. I don't have any. Life's been too hard. I've not seen God move. I, I just want you to know that God still so loves you and, and you still have the opportunity to say, God, increase my faith. I, I, you're going you're gonna to have to do something. I, I believe, but I, I'm not really certain, and I'm definitely not assured, but, but I believe, just, I believe enough to say, God, I'll, I'll give you another chance. How have you seen God move in your life because of your faith? Those are the things we have to turn back to. That's why testimony and story is so powerful. We get to look and see, I, I, remember, I remember that season when you met me. I remember how you moved. And those are the moments, and that's the truth, that, that will get us through those hard seasons. Where do you personally need to see God move? In your life, in the life of others, do, do you have something right now that you need him to engage in, to act in, ask him for the faith necessary to see him move and give him the glory when he does? I personally want to be a person of bold faith. I also want to be a part of a church that has bold faith. That sees that God is moving and our faith is evident in his actions. I want to be the kind of church where when God moves, it's expected, not surprising. Oh, there were like 20 people that gave their life to Christ today. Didn't see that coming. No, I want to be the person that's praying for that and expecting that. I think the way that we grow in our faith is to pray, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, may we be certain and assured that you are God and you are good. And that's the prayer I want to close with today. So looking within and asking God as I pray over you, Father, increase our faith in your Son, Jesus. Make us bold in our faith. Help us see that these temporary trials are opportunities to increase our faith. And let us trust in you above all things. Come and move mightily in our lives. For those who are super far from you, Lord, call them by name into relationship with you. For those who just need to be encouraged, Lord, show your power and your might. For you love us, and because of that, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.